What is up, Cleveland? Boy, it's been a while. How is everybody doing tonight? I'm Dan, here with Steven, here with Champ, who's just below me, lounging in the LOTL studios. This is Living Off the Land, episode 273. We are back after a uh, a long respite um, following the Brown season. But we are back at it. And Steve, it's Tuesday night. I'm back and better than ever. Yes, we are back. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means? It's living off the land, baby. It's our first full episode in four months. Can you believe that? I mean, that's I couldn't believe that when I looked yeah. up that up. Well, we decided to just kind of focus on football season. Time flies, man. Uh, doing our post game shows. Yeah. Time does even, fly. even in February, which is, you know, typically a nondescript month, but you know, I'm looking outside and it's sixty five degrees. I'm running in a t shirt and the shorts today. Like this this is pretty cool. I like this. Yeah, I mean February's the shortest month of the year every year, but man, did, did it feel like it flew by. Tomorrow is the last day of February. Actually, no. This oh, is a leap year. Uh-oh. So <laughs> we have the twenty ninth on Thursday. But uh I couldn't go five minutes without saying something dumb. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not that dumb. I mean, that's pretty dumb. Anyway, uh, yes, so we are back. Uh, thank you guys for uh, continuing to listen. Uh, as you heard, I did crack open a beer. Just real quick, the beer of the week this week, uh, I am going with a just a classic light uh, just a classic light beer. No, it's not Bud Light. No, it's not Miller Light. It is, it is a garage beer. Hmm. Garage beer, which I believe hails from Columbus, Ohio. Hmm. And uh, bear with me one second. Yes, I believe. All right, come on, Dan, get it together. Anyway, this is a uh, 4%, uh, 4% 95 calories, small batch brewed light beer. Garage beer's classic. The garage is always open. And just to read the little blurb about this, uh, this is the side of this, what it says. This is a side of the can where beer brands tell their story, but we thought you would rather just drink beer with your buddies. Garage beer is light, refreshing, and made with the highest quality ingredients. But what makes it great are the times that we get to crack a few with our best friends. Keep it light. Cheers. So just a real, real, uh, you know, standard light beer, no frills. But uh, sometimes that's, that's just all you need. So I'm going with a 7.1 on the garage beer. Uh, light classic and yeah that real quick real simple that's the beer of the week nice 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 so Beacon, we have wiped the map clean we have been doing this for almost two years now and we feel like we're at a 
long enough time window to where the places that we have detailed previously uh, probably deserve a bit of an update. So we are going to, in fact, when we go back to the social media pages, I'm going to be posting the color-coded map for every place that we detail, every place we travel to uh, starting tonight. And I pretty much just threw a dart at the dartboard here just to see where, where we would start. And I've landed on the southeast corner of Cleveland. This is a neighborhood that I did detail about a year and a half ago. Uh, this neighborhood borders Bedford Heights on its southern border and Warrensville Heights on its eastern border. I'm talking about the Lee Miles neighborhood. Lee Miles neighborhood is in the southeast corner of Cleveland, is named for the two main uh, the two main streets that go through it, Miles Road, which is uh, Ohio Route 43, which goes from southeast to northwest, and Lee Road, which goes from north to south. Uh, southern border is I-480. The eastern border uh, is east. It does snake a little bit, but it's on Lake Spur Lane and or East 190th Street. Invermere Avenue and Scottsdale Boulevard uh, pretty much house the northern border, and then the southern, excuse me, the western border is along East 154th Street and goes right past John F. Kennedy High School, uh, in fact, which is right on the western boundary of the neighborhood, right along Miles Road. So this neighborhood is mostly residential. It's primarily, I would call it working class. Um, average income per capita is about 33000 annually, which for Cleveland's average is pretty close to the median. Um, it is a primarily African-American neighborhood. Um, by primarily, I mean almost entirely. It's actually over 90%. And this neighborhood, it's it's sort of a no-frills neighborhood. The, the residential areas are good, not like not anything out of the ordinary, mostly just either ranch houses or colonial-style houses. Uh, a lot of them are, are older, you know, st houses that were built as far back as the late 19th century and then some that were um, built later in the early 20th century. So, you know, you do you do have some blocks in there where, you know, some of the properties are a little more run down, but then you have others where a lot of the properties have been rehabbed. So, and it's you don't have a huge discrepancy for the most I've, I've been in this neighborhood many many times you don't have a huge discrepancy from block to block here there's a little bit but not much you know not like what you might see in Hoff or Glenville or St. Clair Superior or some of the other neighborhoods on the east side where it's like some blocks are great other blocks are terrible you know you, you won't see that in here for the most part commercially speaking the main commercial corridor is mostly along Lee Road you do have a secondary corridor along Harvard Avenue in the north side of the neighborhood um, the main comp commercial complex is right at the corner of Lee and Harvard where you have a lot of your standard shops like, you know, you got the Walgreens is there, Dave's Supermarket is there, uh, the Cleveland branch of the Cleveland Public Library is there, um, a couple of other things. And then the one commercial spot that I really do want to highlight here, which is, you know, you don't have, you have a lot of chain folks, you know, chain places in this neighborhood. There's not a lot of like prime local business, but... One prime local business that's there that my wife and Ren and I go to quite commonly is Kaba's African and Caribbean Market, mm. which is on Lee Road just south of uh, the Lee Harvard intersection. Mm -hmm. And this business, if you are in any way, shape, or form into African or Caribbean food, you've got to check this place out because they have super fresh items that come in 
from the Caribbean and from Africa, mostly West Africa, is where because the the owner is actually a guy from Ivory Coast, mm-hmm. Cote d'Ivoire. So he's got connections with a lot of the um, local businesses back home there, uh, not just in Cote d'Ivoire, but in some of the other countries in that area. So you're talking about habanero peppers, yucca root, okra, uh, dole, you know, all of the, you know, typical, you know, vegetable fare. Plus you get a lot of the um, dried shrimps, dried, uh, you know, white fish like pollock and, and sea bass. Um, you can get used. It's almost like the West Side Market. You can buy it just right with the, the, the head still on the fish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's frozen, obviously, because they had to fly it in from, you know, either 2,000 or 7,000 miles away. But, right. uh, you know, for for what it is, it you know, and the prices are actually pretty pretty decent. You know, it's not any higher than what you'd see in a grocery store for mm-hmm. the most part, uh, at least in a typical produce or, or um, meat section. So... This this place is um, let me get the address here. It's uh, forty one oh two Lee Road uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> and is open six days a week. They're closed on Sundays. Um, and interestingly enough, the the owners here they they're like my wife. They speak English and French, so they sort of cater to that. You know, there's there's not a huge amount of like native African population in the Cleveland area, but they're, they're widely scattered around. You will find them. And one interesting fact is that, Oh my God. I'm sorry. I don't mean to just no. It's, uh, we've been following the end of the Cavs game here. The, who was that? The cat. So the Cavs were up one eighteen, one fifteen with 30 seconds left. Somehow they blew that. They went down by one with two seconds left. And Max Struess hits a three from 65 feet out, and the Cavs win. Wait, what? 121 to 119. From beyond half court? Yeah. Take a look at that. Okay, so there's 2.6. They're inbounding. He inbounds... And he launches it from behind the end of the sea. Foof. Oh, my <laughs> freaking Lord. Wow. Guys. Un- gals. People all across Cleveland, you have got to see this. I mean, just in the words of Stephen Stefano, foof. Wow. Holy smokes. Like, significantly behind half court. Like, he hadn't even gotten to the C yet. Wow. What a win by the Cavs. That's the Lee Miles neighborhood. You can wham that with the right hand. And... Let's go to the week that was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Because it was. Oh it, my word! Because <laughs> I had a, I had a. We were paying attention to the game before before starting this episode. I kind of had a feeling this segment was going to be a little bit of a downer because of the way the Cavs have come out of the All Star break. But my goodness, the Cavs were the Cavs fell down. They were up by fifteen in the first half. Uh, were down by four. Ended up late in the fourth quarter, down 10. Fought all the way back to tie the game at 115. Then went up 118-115 because Donovan Mitchell hit a three with about 30 seconds left. 
blew that lead and were down by one, and then Max Struess does that. The Ma- When the Cavs went up by three, the Mavericks went for a quick two, got it. I'm presuming the Cavs got fouled after this and must have missed two free throws. Something happened. Which allowed know. the Mavericks to score again and take the lead. So it was really looking like a game that the Cavs just let slip and then just a miracle at the buzzer. I, I just can't even believe that. Like, have you seen a, a more ridiculous game winner than that? That's like, crazy. <laughs> That's I'm something... struggling to come up with one. You don't see that a lot in uh... – you don't see that a lot in the NBA. Like, I've seen shots like that at the end of the half or yeah. the end of the quarters. I don't think I've ever seen it, like, at the end of the game with the game on the line. I'll tell you what. We're getting close. We're, we're starting to get close to uh, March Madness, and uh, we're, we're obviously we're going to do our brackets and everything as part of the show, but Max Drews didn't want to wait that until was, March. That was the epitome of madness. Holy moly. Oh, I'm out of superlatives on this one, folks. So, Anyway, where we were going to was since the All-Star. Now, first, I got to back up to before the All-Star break because if we were doing shows in the period before the All-Star break, Mm -hmm. we would have been talking about how amazingly good the Cavaliers were doing. Yeah, because they won, by my count, 15 of 17 games from January 14th through the beginning of the All-Star break, the only two games they lost, they lost one at Milwaukee on January 24th, mm-hmm. and they got beat at home against Philadelphia on February 12th. They lost that one by two. Other than that, they won every game during that stretch. And Yeah, they weren't playing some great teams in there. They played the Spurs. They played the Wizards a couple times. They they played Brooklyn. Uh, so, I mean, but, you know, you, you can only play the teams that are on your schedule, and the Cavaliers were, were getting fat on some not great opposition. Coming out of the All-Star break, the Cavaliers, their first game against Orlando, they lost that game, 116-109. They then went to Philadelphia. They got beat 104-97. I don't know what it is. It seems like we never beat Philadelphia. We just don't, <laughs> we just don't have a good track record yeah. against them, seemingly. Yeah. Them and the Knicks, for I lo- whatever and, reason. And I, just... and, and I lost a bet on that game, so I was extremely sour Aww. about that game. So, so then they, they, they go down 985 from Philly to Washington two days later. They do beat the Wizards again, which is great because, I mean, the Wizards are terrible, so you'd expect them to win yeah. that game. And they, and did then, not, they did not play well in that game. And they still won the game by nine. Yeah. <laughs> and, then they got, and then they got the Mavericks tonight, which, as we said, was just like this game of the season. Yeah. Just, not it's... even just the final play, but in what you were describing, big lead early, came back. The Mavericks came back, took the lead. Cavs took the lead back in the third. Mavericks made a big run in the fourth. Looked like they had the game with, you know, up by eight with four minutes to go, but then the Cavs made that big run, and then it looked like they had the game, and then they tried to give it away, and then, yep. oh, my God, how in the world? It's like literally a 60-foot shot to win the game. Like Counting that Max Struess three, Max Struess and Donovan Mitchell tonight went a combined 14 for 21 from three. The Cavs survived a combined 75 points between Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic and won. World's smallest violin for Kyrie. Hey, man. Listen, this uh, this is this is a, a discussion I did want to get into. I did want to talk about Kyrie because he, he did come back uh, today. Yeah, has he been a weirdo since he left Cleveland? Sure. I don't know where you stand on this. He's still the second best player in Cavaliers franchise history. 
He hit the he hit the biggest shot in NBA history, in NBA Finals history. Do you disagree um, with that? Um Boy, you know what? I mean, he didn't have as long a tenure in Cleveland as some, but I mean, just on sheer talent and the fact that we won a title, that's kind of hard to argue against. I, I mean, mean, he played six years for the Cavs. The, it's not that's not like he. It was just a flash in the pan. No, I, I get that. I mean, like the only two guys I can think of that I would be th- legitimately I would put an argument up against. One would be Austin Carr, and the other would be Mark Price. The rest, I mean, you could make. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Well, I the big t- the big talking point is Donovan Mitchell because people are a people are a uh, nobody on the current team has played long enough to be in this discussion. I uh, well, I agree with that. I'm just saying, like people are so uh, caught up with the here and the now that everybody sees, you know. And and listen, this isn't taking anything away from Donovan Mitchell. He's fantastic, but this team needs to win a playoff series before we start talking about Donovan Mitchell being on the pantheon of Cavalier greats. Oh, absolutely. In my opinion. Absolutely. Especially the way that they flamed out last year. You look at the guys that they had in, you know, you go back to the 70s team, you know, Austin Carr, Bobby Bingo Smith, uh, Jim Jones. They all won playoff games. They won playoff series. The guys in the 90s, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Mark Price, they won playoffs. They made an Eastern Conference Finals, I think, twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the LeBron 1.0 and 2.0 teams, you know, that made finals and then ultimately won a championship. Yeah. You know, those those teams. You're looking at LeBron 1.0. Think about that era. You think about guys like Sasha Pavlovich, Larry Hughes, Drew Gooden, Zdrinis Ligalskis. Like, none of those guys were elite, but yet they still advanced farther than some of these teams in, in you know, previous eras. And then, of course, LeBron 2.0. I mean, my goodness. You know, the big three with Kevin Love and, and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, it's, you know, the Cavaliers have not been blessed over the whole course of history with a huge amount of great players. Yeah. I think I've named off, like, I mean, there's a probably a couple I didn't just name off, but it's, I think I named off the vast majority. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's it's very fair to say that Kyrie could be a number two. I mean, if if you, again, there's only a couple I, of players where you would argue against that. I think he is without a shadow of a doubt. I don't. I mean, look that, and, and yeah. So <laughs> he did do this while playing with the number one player in Cavaliers history, who just so happens to be arguably the greatest player that's ever lived. But if he had just if he had just ridden the coattails in those NBA Finals, especially the championship, and wasn't like a major piece as to why the Cavs won that championship. I would be like, okay, yeah, maybe Kyrie didn't, you know, whatever. But Kyrie Irving in multiple NBA Finals outplayed Steph Curry. He hit the game-winning shot in Game Seven on the road, which every which every NBA writer, follower, fan worth their salt says is the greatest shot in NBA Finals history. He literally won a championship with You'd that. You'd be hard pressed to. I mean, the only one that the I can only, think of o- off the top of my head would be... The Jordan one. I mean, that, that because that was also a game winner. But that was not that was not, uh, that was was not not game seven. Like, if the... If, game six. If, yeah. the, if, the, if he missed that shot, they still would have had another chance in game seven. Oddly enough, the other iconic shot that I think is in that pantheon was also from game six, and that was Ray Allen's tying three yep, in that's 2013. True. Bang! Yeah. 
That was the game that caused your dad to go ape on me, and I got kicked out of your house. <laughs> but, <laughs> Good times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think he's, you know, he he was an NBA All Star MVP before LeBron had come to the Cavs. He was great the second they drafted him. He won the Rookie of the Year his first year. He played six seasons with the Cavaliers, like we said. He, Well, he played in two finals. The, the first finals he played in game one and got hurt and missed the rest of the series, which to me shows his worth even more because I think if he didn't, if he doesn't get injured, the Cavs probably win that, NBA, that first NBA finals. That's not a thing. That's a fact. <clears throat> yeah. That's a straight-up fact. Even, honestly, without, even without Kevin Love. Even without Kevin Love, I'd be willing to say that they win that series with Kyrie. And if Kevin Love is there, that series might have been over in five, quite frankly. Yeah. I, it's, we're up two to one without both of them. Yeah. Like, come on. Seriously? 2015 yeah. is the year that haunts me. As a Cavaliers Ugh. fan, we had that title in like in our grasp. You know what's funny is 2015 haunts you, 2017 haunts me because that 27 cap that tw- even though we lost four to one in that series, that Cavs team the year after we won the championship was better than the year that that they actually won the championship. And it's because Draymond Green had to go crocodile tears and all and go call Kevin Durant, say hey come help us because we can't beat LeBron. And they had to go recruit that uh, that stretch that that the second best player of that stretch of seasons to add to the team that won seventy three games. There's a reason why I hate Kevin Durant more than any player in sports, not even just the NBA, but sports. Oh, I don't know if that, I, I, don't know, I don't know. Cannot if I do stand that guy. I haven't been able to stand that guy ever since he left OKC for Golden State. Just, yeah, triggered. <laughs> well, anyway, so it kind of— and, and he hasn't won a darn thing ever since he left Golden State, thankfully. Kind of getting back to—and here's another feather I put into the cap of Kyrie, why I think he's the second-best uh, Cavalier of all time. If Kyrie Irving's not a Cavalier, LeBron does not come back in 2014. Yeah, because he was really the only— My well, opinion. Maybe not the only significant piece, but he was the, the guy— Prior to LeBron coming LeBron back. was not coming back to Cleveland to relive the situation he lived in Cleveland the first seven years when they couldn't get a second star to put around him. So Kyrie Irving being there and being and establishing himself as being one of the, the game's top players in the first three years of his career is one of the reasons why we got LeBron back and the reason why we won the championship. So to me, all this, oh, are they going to retire his jersey? Of course they're going to retire his jersey. Yeah, that's that's a guarantee. We've won one championship in this city in 60 years. And he was 1A as far as reasons as to why we won that championship. Not number two, 1A. All three of the big three from LeBron 2.0 are getting retired. Mm. Flat out. Kevin Love's going up. Absolutely. And I, I could argue, even though he's not a Hall of Fame level player, Tristan Thompson could if they were to retire Tristan Thompson's jersey, I wouldn't you be upset. Very well could make a good case for Tristan Thompson because he came in the same in the league the same year as Kyrie and played at a very yeah. high level if, for like listen, eight years. Listen, in my opinion, this might be the, this might be the only championship this city gets in in the next forty years to make it a hundred. 
God, I hope not, but it might be. You never so know. So if that's the case, listen, if that's the case, they should just retire the entire starting fives numbers. Can throw <laughs> J.R. Smith up there. I don't care. I want to see 2, 5, 23, 0, and 13 up in those rafters. Shirts optional. <laughs> it's right with JR. Yeah. So listen, I would love for Donovan Mitchell to 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 be in the in the top two or three of uh, the franchise's greats. That's provided that he stays here past this year. Uh, so he would have to sign a contract extension, and the Cavs need to play well and win in the playoffs. I'm not asking him to win a championship this year. Although I will say. If you look at the standings, now, I'm not saying I expect the Cavs to win a title. That's crazy. But this year, the NBA is as wide open as maybe it's ever been. The Minnesota Timberwolves and the OKC Thunder are the top two seeds in the West. That's unbelievable. Boston, who is another team that underperforms in the playoffs, is the number one seed in the East. It's it's there if the Cavs... Get hot when the playoffs start. It is there. I mean, really, it is it is the lay of the land. I'll go through the standings here in a second. The lay of the land really is it's Boston, and then it's everybody else. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it is in a nutshell. And, you know, I mentioned this before we went on the air. I, I'm not totally surprised by the Timberwolves doing as well as they are, but Oklahoma City just blows my mind. Like I remember the th- I think it was the second game of the season we lost to OKC and I was like, "Oh, that's a really terrible loss. How did we lose at home to Oklahoma City?" Now looking back on it, it's like, "Well, okay, that yeah. was no big deal." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Oklahoma City's they have they have a lot of talent. They're just you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander's great. Chet Holmgren's good, really good. You know, they have other uh other bits and pieces, but I mean, like you said, beginning of the season you know, OKC maybe, you know, getting into the playoffs would probably be a good story. No. They're 40 and 17. They're going they might win 60 games. It really, you know, we played this game around this time last year or a little bit after this last year of contender pretender. Yeah. And it's like, do you consider a team like the Thunder a contender just based on their record or is it just like, no, they haven't been there. This is all new. Like they they're they it's a different world in the playoffs. You know what's interesting you know? is um, obviously the teams are built differently, but and for their sake, I hope this comparison doesn't come to fruition, but they kind of remind me of the Cavs from last year a little bit. Young, I mean, that, would, young that team, would be valid. Young team. Most of them have not been there before, and uh, you know we'll see what happens when the bright lights shine. I will say that if they somehow get the number one seed and get home court advantage throughout the playoffs – Oklahoma City is not the easiest place to go play. No, it isn't. I mean, Oklahoma City is a one-team market. I, I know you're. They're the only pro franchise I, in town. I know your disdain for for that franchise and the owner of that franchise, but you know, the fans—they have great fans. They do. I mean, they showed it when the Hornets were there they, for two years, even before the the Thunder showed up. I don't know if they still do it, but they used to have this like college type tradition where the fans uh, didn't sit down in their seats until they scored the first bucket. Yeah, a lot of teams started doing that, but that that tradition originated in Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah. So at least in the NBA, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that's a college type thing. 
But I mean, this isn't an Oklahoma podcast, but you know, this this just kind of underscores you know well, what's listen, been going on in the NBA. Not just them. Look at look at the T Wolves. Look at Minnesota Timberwolves. Yep. 40 you know, everybody, everybody, uh, you know, everybody uh, got on them when they had Carl Anthony Towns and they traded for Rudy Gobert. But I'll tell you what: when you also have a guy like Anthony Edwards, I mean, they are good. They also have Mike Conley. You know, they are. <clears throat> they're deep. They're and also 40 and 17. Their general manager has done a masterful job putting then, together that roster. And then look, the uh the defending NBA champions are nipping on their heels too. So it, it's it, the the NBA this year is wide ass open. So I'll just go through it here. The Cavaliers are currently second in the Eastern Conference, 38-19. Mm-hmm. Quite a ways back from Boston, seven games behind. Boston's in first at 45-12. and 12. Right behind the Cavs are Milwaukee, New York, Philadelphia, and Miami. Those are your auto spots. And then in the play-in tournament spots right now, Orlando, Indiana, Chicago, and Atlanta. Orlando and Indiana are actually both seven games over five hundred. Both are actually playing pretty well at the moment. Um, same uh, phenomenon in the West. The West goes legitimately eight or nine deep as well. Uh, Sacramento and Dallas are seven and eight, and Golden State is nine, and LA is LA Lakers are ten. You know, so that's actually a play in turn. If this was the end of the season right now, that's a play in tournament that's actually worth watching, because Golden State would be playing against the Lakers in a one game and out. And, wow. And the winner of that would then have to go play against either Sacramento or Dallas to get in. Didn't the, the Warriors and the Lakers play in the play-in last year too? Maybe they did. Golden State, if, I'm trying to think back. The Lakers did not get in. Golden State, I think, did, but lost in the first round. I'm drawing a blank. I, I know the Lakers did not make it. Yeah. Going back up on the standings in the West, Minnesota and Oklahoma City, like we said, tied for first place right now. Denver, a game and a half behind. The Clippers, two and a half games behind in fourth. And then a little further down, you've got Phoenix. You've got the Pelicans in sixth. And then the aforementioned Sacramento, Dallas, Golden State, and the Lakers. So, I mean, again, who are these? Who are you to say that the team sitting ninth and tenth in the West, Golden State and Los Angeles, that either one of them couldn't get on a run and make a run at this thing. Golden State just won a title in 2022. The Lakers are only three years removed from their last title. But then again, if, you, if you're not going to go by the switch-flipping theory, then you kind of have to go with what you know and, and who the diehards, the, 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 you know, the thoroughbreds are, which for me is three teams, Boston, Milwaukee, and Denver. It's, it's kind of hard to trust really anybody else. Yeah. To be honest, uh, I mean, if you look at the East, like I'm not trusting Philly. I no way. Um, I certainly not the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks actually. I mean, Philly's got to. Uh, yeah. Philly's got to. Embiid's uh, got to come back, and then they're another team that's got to prove it in the playoffs. If there is a dark horse out there in the <laughs> East, it's probably Miami, because Miami has gotten on. Like they don't do so great in the regular season, but they yep. 2020 get in the em. bubble, yeah, and just, then again last year, just get them to the playoffs. They, go on runs in the postseason they got a game away from the nba finals last year as an eighth seed yep you know and they're sitting sixth right now like i know you know who does not want to see the miami heat in the playoffs this year the bucks the bucks (laughs) and right now that would be the first round matchup oh god (laughs) 
I, I I'm actually probably just kidding in that. The Miami bu- knocked the bu- out Milwaukee in 2020, and I think they knocked and knocked them out last year too. The Bucks will probably sweep them this year. Just like 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 Giannis would just like put his foot down and be like no, and like average 50 a game in that series. You think Milwaukee? You know, they're not sleepwalking through that series if it turns out to be. That's for darn sure. Yeah. Um, looking back at the West, I don't know if I really see any. Uh, again, like you can't consider Golden State or LA dark horses, even though they're ninth and tenth. I'm trying to think of like, is there anybody that's off the board? Like you can't consider Minnesota, or Oklahoma City a dark horse either because they're one and two. Yeah. Is there anyone else that really like, like Sacramento or New Orleans? Like, I'm, I'm not feeling it on them. I mean, Phoenix is. I mean, they've had so many cracks at the apple, and they just haven't been able to get it done. Yep. I mean, they are battle-tested and have lots of veteran influence, so maybe, possibly, but I don't know. It's kind of hard for me. Like, If you look at Phoenix's road, Clippers' first round as it stands, Minnesota's second round, I mean, it's not – it doesn't look all that grueling. I mean, you, you could possibly make the case for it, but I don't know. Sacramento, like – Sacramento, I almost feel like, I mean, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma City first round. I mean, talk about two teams that have literally playing with house money all the way. Yeah. You know, that would be an incredibly entertaining series if it comes to pass. Yeah. You know, Um, we just kind of talked about Miami and Milwaukee and how Milwaukee doesn't want to see Miami again. What would be your thoughts if the Cavs and the Knicks matched up again in the first round? Oh, no. (laughs) No. No, sorry. I, I, the two teams I don't want to see in the well, actually, call me nuts, but I mean the, the Knicks wouldn't be the best scenario. But I do think there that the Cavs could get the better of them this time around. I yeah. still feel like we don't match up all that great against them. Yeah. But there are two other teams that concern me very much as well. One is Philadelphia, who we just can't seem to beat ever for some reason. Yeah, I know. I. T- um, and then the other is Miami. Even, just with, the, even with them beat out. And the other is Miami just because Miami has that, for whatever reason, they just have that playoff pedigree where they just, you know, knock out teams that they shouldn't knock out. And they, yep. you know, call it, you know, Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo. Or They're the most mentally they tough just, team. They, <laughs> they find a way. Yep. You know, they are the ultimate switch flippers pretty much. Yeah. Or so it would seem. But so, yeah, one thing's for sure. This NBA playoffs, other than whoever lands in the eighth spot in the East and is probably going to get swept in the first round, like everything else is going to be super entertaining. <laughs> the the way the brackets are looking to set up right now, we still have about eh, what about twenty odd games to go. A little actually, the Cavs have twenty five games to go, so things could still change a little bit. But for the most part, the teams we've mentioned are the teams that are going to be in there. So, I mean. The Wizards and the shout out to the Wizards and the Pistons who haven't even won ten games yet. Yet, and yet, how about this? The Hornets, even though they've won almost double the amount of games in Detroit, they actually have a worse point differential. Go figure that. Jeez. Interesting fun fact about the Hornets: they are the only team in the NBA that has never played on Christmas. Really? Yeah. How about that? Trying to think. That's insane. Really? Yeah, you'd think there would be some others, but there's there's not. Sacramento's played on Christmas. 
Yeah, I, well, just this past year they did. Oh, yeah. They was too prior to this past year. Sacramento did play. Minnesota on this has year. played on Christmas. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. And I'm guessing they were on the road. Probably nobody wants to go to Minneapolis on Christmas Day. True. But I'm sure the travel in and out of Minneapolis on Christmas is ideal, especially yeah. if they have had snow. Anyhow, that is the lay of the land. That's the week that was with the Cavaliers and the NBA. Yeah, it is we are, good. we are the we are starting to simmer here, and we are the the heat is about to get uh, turned up on the NBA season, college basketball as well. We are heading towards conference championship uh, week, and uh, then the NCAA tournament. That is going to be uh, interesting. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, the women's final four is in Cleveland. Hell's yeah. Talk about great timing. This has been like the best regular season in women's college basketball ever. Yeah. And the denouement, the climax of it all, is going to be right here in Cleveland, April 5th and 7th. Yep. That is going to be awesome. We don't know who's going to make it, but like the teams that do, particularly if, I mean, if there's so much star power out there. I mean, I don't even have to mention Caitlin Clark's name, but like, you know, she's the biggest name, but like, just some of these other teams out there, you know, LSU defending national champion, Angel Reese and company, um, South Carolina, not to be outdone, was undefeated until the national semifinal a year ago. They're undefeated again this year. Mm-hmm. Like you've got them. And let's not forget the Ohio State Buckeyes. They're currently ranked, I think, number two in the country right now. So they'd be a one seed. And they beat Iowa. You know, beat Iowa in the game they played against. So, like, they've got a legit chance to win a national championship. I mean, so – Buckeye Nation will be extremely girded up if they manage to make the Final Four. So this, yeah, I'm going to have more stories about that as we get closer. But, uh, yeah, I'm very glad you mentioned that because that is going to be, that is going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it should be good. Um, Okay, Uh, another topic that I wanted to get into. And uh, the last couple weeks in this city has been engulfed with stadium talk. Yes, very much so. Are the Browns getting a new stadium? Will it be open air? Will it be a dome? Will it stay in downtown? Will it stay on the lake? Are they going to move to Brook Park next to the airport? Who's going to pay for it? The Haslam family just uh, finalized the deal with Berkshire Hathaway uh, today, which saw them receive the last uh, $2.6 billion of a $13.6 billion deal. Uh, so they, which by the way, that story did not come out by coincidence today. Those are some unfathomably big numbers that you're just rattling off. 13.6 billion with a B. B. Yes. Uh, so the Haslam's are, are now out of the truck stop business. That is a hundred percent completely owned by Berkshire Hathaway now. Pilot flying J. So, um, We'll have to see how that all shakes out. I will say that story did not come out uh, by coincidence. No, almost surely not. Um, so I will say where I stand on everything. I want to get you. We've kind of. I kind of know where you stand on this because we've talked ad nauseum in our text chain with our brothers. But mm-hmm. uh, where do you come out on? The stadium issue, keeping in mind that the lease on the current stadium is up in 2028. 
construction on a new stadium will be four years. So in, that's a really long time. In my wow. opinion, in my opinion, they will have to have shovels in the dirt by the end of this year. Yeah, I don't see that happening, <laughs> honestly. But I, I mean, I could certainly buy if they are really sold on the Brook Park site, and it sounds like they are. Um, I could see construction beginning as soon as 2025. I, I don't doubt it'll be this year, but if it, if it's going to take as long as you think it is, the idea, the idea is for whatever happens, uh, for the Browns to be playing in a new facility by 2029. Yeah. The 2029 season. Right. So you'd have to have the stadium ready by like summer of 2029. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. So yeah, if you started at some point in 2025, you'd be in good shape. I just wonder if the city of Cleveland, if they realize what sort of a situation they're in and that their backs are really up against the wall here because yeah. um, it's obviously not ideal for them. It's not ideal for city council or Mayor Bibb that, you know, to have a franchise move out of the city, obviously. I mean, ultimately, it's not I mean, it's liter- the worst it, it would thing literally for the county be, or for the greater region. It you're, would literally be on there. the border, but, yeah, it wouldn't right. move out of the city, out of the you city know, limits. So they're not going to get the tax revenue and all that, which is, you know, not good for them. Obviously, that'd be huge for Brook Park, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean that that land, the land that we're talking about. In case you guys just for a visual, this is where the old Cleveland Ford casting plant and uh, machine plant used to be. Uh, this would be in between Henry Ford Boulevard and um, between uh, Snow Road and Brook Park Road, uh, just to the east of the airport. Yeah, if you're driving south on 71, it's just past where 71 splits off on the 480. Yeah, the engine plant is still there on yeah. Brook Park Road, but the other two plants that used to be there were torn down years ago. So that is the footprint that it would be on. And in terms of the footprint, it couldn't be better located, right by Hopkins Airport, right by uh, I-480, Route 237, Which, and by I-71. the way, Hopkins Airport will be undergoing a multi-billion dollar renovation in the next several years. Yes, I've heard that too. So... I, I think that's it that's already sounds like that can't be coincidence either. <laughs> that's well, yeah, that but that that is green lighted. That is that is already that's not like something you're fighting over. Like that that's happening. And the funny- which by the way could not be more needed. Hopkins Airport is a dump. I don't know about dump. I've been to airports that are worse than Hopkins. But that being well, said, there, that doesn't that doesn't mean that Hopkins is the And again, this is just I don't fly very much, so I guess my opinion on it should be taken with a grain of salt. But uh, it needs to be better. I'll just say that. It does need to modernize a bit. And, you know, I feel like the, the gate capacity actually isn't even that bad right now. It'd be Back when we used to have a an actual um, Continental Hub, which then became, you know, merged with United, that was what kind of, you know, threw Copkins into a bad period. But then, you know, the discount, there was like Spirit and Frontier came in and took up a lot of that gate space. Yeah. There is still a concourse out the concourse D that's just sitting vacant that, you know, if, you know, fortune shines on us in the future that, you know, we'd be able to open up right now. We do, we do have one international link to Europe. That's through Aer Lingus, uh, nonstop to Dublin years ago. We actually had Iceland air and wow airways flying into Reykjavik. I don't know if something like that might eventually come back, but, uh, COVID basically killed that off. They didn't come back. Yeah. So, so back to the stadium. Uh, what, what's your opinion on it, and what's your ideal scenario? 
So the location doesn't matter to me really. If they keep it in downtown, if they move it to Brook Park, if they move it to a couple other places have been mentioned in the past. Independence, I know, has come up. You know, to me, it really doesn't make that big of a difference. But it has to be a retractable facility, period. If you're going to build a new facility, it has to be that. There's no reason to build a new open-air facility. You might as well just keep the one you have now if you're, if you're going what to if do it's, that. What if it's not retractable and it's a dome? Oh, if it's just a straight-up dome? <laughs> like um, Ford Field-esque. I guess I wouldn't like that as much just because it would be a major cultural shift as far as how the team identifies itself. But at the same time, I mean, the game has moved in such a way that now, you know what? I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to say that would suck because I've been to some like Ford. I've been to Ford field. I've been to SoFi in Los Angeles. And I think, I think that's the real part of it. You're looking at places like U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. That's another great example. That's another great facility indoors. The company that built that stadium, the Haslam's, have actually hired. You could definitely make a case for doing something like that here. I, you know, it's hard to argue against. Honestly, I would argue that our climate actually doesn't require that as much as Minneapolis does, just because that stadium is that stadium is like half dome, half glass. Right. Oh, it's it is gleaming and beautiful from the outside. It's. You know, it's, facility. it's a more glass shell type, like compared to say Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, which is actually like you know a lot of brick, which yeah. I, I think is actually really cool. Yeah, that's another fantastic facility. If we built something like that here, I wouldn't have. It's any crazy to with. think that that stadium is 16 years old already. That stadium opened in 2008. It has really stood the test of time. Yeah. Like Lucas Oil is it still, still looks mentioned brand new. in the same breath as some of the newer stadiums. You know, stuff like AT and T in Dallas or. U.S. Bank in Minneapolis yeah. or, or the Death Star in Vegas. Yeah. You know, it's not considered better than those, but it's like one of the first ones you mentioned right after those. Yeah. So. Uh, so you say yeah. retractable roof. Yeah. You don't care where it is. Not really. Okay. I do think it might possibly take away a little bit of the game day experience if it does go to Brook Park, but if it does go to Brook Park, I don't think it's going to be that bad because – I don't you're think gonna, it's, yeah. you're going to have a lot of parking space for tailgating. It links with, quickly with highways. It links with the the rapid as well. Um, and needless to say, you're going to have a building boom of some kind that's going to follow this. You're going to have a Trust lot of me. local businesses yes. go in. You yep. know, probably right along that strip along Henry Ford Boulevard. Wherever yep. the Haslam's build that building, the football stadium is not going to be the only structure that is erected. Absolutely not. That, uh, such, like, like Brook Park, like they. So the the hot rumor is that the Haslam's bought the hundred and seven. So that that plot of land is one hundred and seventy six air, uh, uh, one hundred and seventy six acres. That's a lot. Cleveland Brown Stadium right now sits on about thirty one acres. So there is a crap ton of room over there to build up whatever you want. Parking structures that are that sit below hotels. Uh, restaurants, shopping, entertainment, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Cleveland is going to be getting a women's soccer league team here soon. They need a stadium. You could you could see two stadiums being built over there in Brook Park because the stadium that the women's soccer league is going to get is going to be about a 10,000-foot or 10,000-seat facility. So it's not really going to be that big. But you could see that uh, – being uh is that a USLW team? 
That's a cool name. Uh, I don't remember what the is it is or is it NWSL? The NWSL is the top league. I know that I we are angling. We're trying to get a franchise there. That league has been expanding like wildfire. Lately. I think that's I think that's the one I saw was NWSL. Yeah, because so it, segueing on this a little bit. So the NWSL, which I think, which I think would also be the Haslam's bringing that in. So yes, that's why I brought up like them, like they would build, they would probably build a facility for them. Too. You don't need to question their credentials when it comes to soccer. Columbus Crew have won two championships in the last four yeah. years, and they got a stadium built there for the Columbus Crew. They, right, they bought that team, brought it back, and built them a stadium. They could not be on better footing, literally, than they no. are right now. They. I love the little badge that they have not the the state of Ohio outline. It says the heart of American soccer. Love that. And then their new kit, the Charlie Brown inspired kit that they're wearing this year. Mm. Some people aren't really cool on keen on it, but like I, think I didn't it's cool, need, I, when so. I when I first saw that it didn't hit me that that was that that it looked it looked it looks exactly like Charlie Brown. <laughs> I don't know how much I like that, but whatever. I you know, I am one that is in the minority. The bigger thing is everybody seems to hate that new Columbus Crew logo. I'm in the minority. I actually like it. The only reason I don't like it is because it's a C. Why? You don't like C? <laughs> I'm, I'm just consistent. I don't like. I just don't like C's. <laughs> All right. Don't like it with the Reds. Well, don't like hey, it with the Guardians. Hey, don't like hey, it. With... C, C is average, so you know. Uh, okay, so so you are location doesn't matter as long as it stays in Northeast Ohio. Uh, you want ideally a retractable roof. Yes. And uh, a retractable roof probably means that the facility stays natural grass, I think. Should. Although I'm not positive on that because, you know, you see some of these new stadiums where they, they grow the grass outside and then they, they track it in, mm-hmm. like Arizona and Vegas. We can't do that here. Our climate's not conducive to do that. But I, you know, I wonder about that a little bit. Because but I will say the, the that wouldn't be an issue until you get at least to December. Maybe then it would become a little bit difficult. Well, that and I will say that the NFLPA is going to start pushing very hard for all NFL stadiums to have natural grass, have grass, whether they are in domes or not. And they really ought to. I mean, again, if you're in a non-retractable dome facility, that does make it prohibitively difficult. But yeah. these teams are making so much money, they can do it. Oh, it, for it's, sure. It's all a bottom line thing. Yeah. Like, and, and exhibit A of that is, I'm going to pick on the Carolina Panthers and their moribund owner, David Tepper, <laughs> who last at last was seen throwing drinks at Jaguars fans. Yeah. I mean, how classless. This guy comes in. The Panthers have had grass their entire history Yep. until this guy comes in. And Char- I get it. Charlotte FC, they start play in 2022. And they go to turf just because they don't want to have two teams playing on grass. How lazy. Yeah. Like, come on. Really? And on top of that, because you're in Charlotte, some places have heating systems under their fields. Mm-hmm. Charlotte doesn't have that. You remember back week 16 last year, the uh, Christmas Eve, when it was five degrees here? Well, it was 14 in Charlotte that day. And <sighs> the field was literally frozen, and the players said it was like playing on concrete. Right, because you wouldn't think. You would think Charlotte, North Carolina, why would we need a heated field? Right. Well, famous last words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, okay, so... 
here's the here's the scenario. The first thing that was pitched back in October, which uh, I knew the Browns are just the Browns are just doing this. They they the, at no point did the Browns ever want to renovate that thing on the lake and still play there. But in order to get the city to come to the bargaining table, that was their first proposal was a complete overhaul and renovation of First Energy Stadium. Well, Cleveland Brown Stadium, First Energy is uh, kaputs. Um, thanks, a, thanks a lot, Larry. Uh, Larry Householder. What the hell? Yeah, whatever his name You're is. You're banned. Um, and the, 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 the proposed cost of a renovation of Brown Stadium was one between $1 and $1.2 billion. As soon as I saw that, I said, nope, not happening. No. Not happening. Why would you ever spend a billion dollars to renovate a current building? Real Madrid out in Madrid, Spain, didn't even spend that much on on uh, Santiago Bernabeu. They spent about $750 million redoing that stadium. And the only reason why they probably didn't build a new stadium is because they're in freaking Madrid. There's nowhere to build. There's no land. So they had to. Atletico Madrid, when they built their new stadium, they built it way out on the east side of town, like not even near downtown, because there's right. no there's no land. Right. So a a, a one a between one and one point two billion dollar renovation, where where the cost is essentially split between the government and uh, the Haslam's. So the city was really going to spend six hundred million dollars to renovate a current stadium. That, by the way is in a shit location and is completely like landlocked and you can't get to it. You can't you can't get out of there. Getting out of that stadium on a Sucks. Sunday afternoon is one of the worst experiences you could ever have. There's a reason why all the parking is south of Lakeside Avenue. That was that the... was never going to happen. Also, you're not going to knock down that stadium and build a new one on top of it in the same location because where the hell is the team going to play for 3 to 4 seasons? Like, like, the only reason we didn't have that problem the first time was because the they're gone. Moved. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's not going to happen. The The Browns, after 2028, will not be playing on the lake unless unless they unless they end up building the stadium on the current site of Burke Lakefront Airport, which I guess is still a possibility, but I don't see that happening. Mayor, I know that that's something that Mayor Bibb is, is pushing for. He's been looking to clear his that was one of his main campaign things was closing Burke Lakefront Airport and using that land for something more valuable. Yeah, well, they've been talking about building valuable stuff on Cleveland's lakefront for a hundred years, forever and ever. And I'm yeah. I'm convinced it's never going to happen. Even if the even if the Browns move off of the lake and you have all of that land just sitting there, I'm convinced that they're not going to be able to agree on what to put there, and it's just going to sit there. And it's going to be even more of an eyesore. At least you could have the excuse, oh, well, the football team plays there, so we're not going to do anything down there. Okay, so anyway, to me, there are two the two most likely scenarios. We've already talked about Brook Park next to the airport. That is likely. It seems like the Browns are actually serious about that location, building that up right next to the airport, uh, not to mention their training facility is about five minutes from there. Right. Um. So the Browns could essentially own Berea Brook Park area. That's possible. 
Oh, by the way, we're getting a new stadium. So whatever any, you know, my brother wants to say all the time, oh, I did, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to get ready. Cause it's happening. Um, so it's though we'll have to get him on one of these days so he can share his perspective. Yeah. The location, if the Browns are going to stay in the downtown area of Cleveland, I see one location. It is the uh, U.S. Post Office, I don't know what, Fulfillment Center or something. Yes. In Cleveland, just south of the Gateway District, uh, right alongside 14. Yeah, where Broadway and Orange Avenue come together. That's where I think a downtown stadium for the Browns would go. There's enough land there. They obviously would have to figure out where the post office would go. My opinion is if the Browns bought that plot of land next to the airport, a perfect location for that for a post office uh, kind of hub center would be right next to the airport, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, that would make sense, yeah. So my my thing is just build a new facility for for that in brook park the browns can get the land right uh just south of gateway district and then they can build up that area around which is just which is near uh cleveland state on the other side of i-90 from like the tri-c metropolitan campus and uh st vincent hospital uh i think we are getting a i i think we are getting a straight dome i don't think we're getting a retractable roof I think mm. it's I think it's cost prohibitive. I, a retractable roof, you're looking at about three billion dollar investment. Oh, man, yeah. stadiums. I mean, not. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by that with the way inflation is. And also, I mean, just think of on. just think of con- construction costs. Um, because right now, if you build a dome stadium, you're looking at probably about two, between two and like two and a quarter billion dollars. If you put a retractable roof on that, you're probably adding at least another five hundred million to the to the to the overall cost. Especially with the way designs have gotten, it's not just going to be a strict like. It's going to be like you know the way that Atlanta opens up their roof, or you know, with that circular roof thing. Yeah, up top. it's going to be something crazy like that. So the cost is going to be astronomical. Yeah. Now, if the Haslam's want to foot the bill, okay, do it. But I'm, you're not going to get you're not going to get the city government, the county government, the state government to agree to paying half for a stadium and then say, oh, the stadium's going to be going to be three billion dollars. Right. You have to make it somewhat palatable for. And, and I don't know what the hell they're doing up there in Orchard Park, but any new facility has has to have a roof on it, whether it's retract, retractable or not. We are not. Building another open-air stadium is literally the dumbest thing. They, if they're gonna, if they just, if they're just gonna build a new open-air stadium, then just, just spend the billion dollars and renovate the current stadium. Agreed. The purpose, uh, the whole purpose, and and by the way, the Browns have been thinking about this since 2019. I actually think we'd be, we'd be, uh, we'd be well on our way into construction of a new stadium if it wasn't for COVID. For the COVID nineteen pandemic. They have been thinking about this since 2019. They have been talking about it. I like the fact that you mentioned Buffalo as a counterweight because Buffalo is, just like Cleveland, a, a city where it's like, yeah, you play outside. That's what we do. You know, We're not but building I think, a dome, period. But, but 
Highmark Stadium is in a much worse shape than Cleveland Browns. Oh, Stadium sure. Is. It, it's I mean, it's one of the only NFL facilities that still has benches. Yeah, I think other than Lambeau Field, but you know well, that's we, that's more of a legacy thing. We, we have benches. I, okay, in the one section, in the dog sure. pound. Yeah, that's one again. That's a legacy thing too. Yeah, but like, and, and so even like the concourses at Highmark Stadium, it's all just like cement bricks, pretty yeah. much. Like it, it's it's very much like a stadium that was built in the '60s or the early '70s. Most of those types of facilities have already been torn down and replaced. So they're in a situation where they really – it didn't matter what they were going to build. They just had to build something. We're not yeah. in a situation like that. Our How facility far... is still decent and could go another 10, 20 years if we wanted to. Ooh, I disagree. Ten, 10 maybe. 20 years, no way. That thing was built so crappy. And... It was pretty hastily put up, I will say that much. Well, yeah, because they, they, they were getting the team back, and they had to get it up – before a certain date or else or else the NFL is like, okay, well, you're going to have to wait another year before you get the team. And they're like, no, we need to get the team back as soon as possible. Right. Um, so that's why I say four years on a new build. Like if you – if you, we brought up Minnesota earlier. Minnesota started construction on uh, U.S. Bank Field in 2012. They opened in 2016. So it was a four-year – maybe maybe just under a four-year construction for that facility. So that's probably – and again, they the, played at TCF Bank Stadium for right, two or which three is, years. Which, if we had that, you could knock down Brown Stadium and build on top of it and keep it on, keep a new facility on the lake and then build up the lakefront. Yeah. The problem is we don't have that. No, the team's not going to play three seasons in Columbus either. At well, first of all, they second nev- largest football stadium in the in the six county area is Infocision in Akron. You can't play there. Yeah, it's not no, big enough. Not happening. And, you know, and we're not the Chargers. We're not playing in stuff. Well, right, Center. and <laughs> and. While Infocision Stadium is a nice stadium, it's not an NFL level facility as far as amenities go. You can't, no. you cannot play NFL games there. No, um, for I mean, it's a Mac stadium. Even it's though a, it's, it's a Rolls Royce in the Mac, but it's a exactly. Ford Pino in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I don't think Ohio State would ever let uh, anybody else play there. So you'd be looking at playing at like playing at like Crew Stadium and getting twenty thousand. You imagine you. You imagine the amount of lost revenue for the Browns. Yikes. You're playing your games. You're playing your games for three or four seasons in a twenty thousand seat stadium, rather than a almost seventy thousand seat stadium like they are now. That's basically what the Arizona Coyotes are having to do. Yeah, after they got kicked out of Jobbing.com Arena. <laughs> yeah, well, the Arizona Coyotes are probably worth six hundred million, seven hundred million. The Browns, as we talked about in our text chain today, are getting close to being worth $5 billion. So, yeah. 19th in the league, by the way. Which is crazy. They're worth $4.6 billion, and they're not even middle of the road. Yeah, they're slightly below median. That's unbelievable. So that means the median is about five $5 billion. So anyway, I am of the same belief as you about I don't really care where it goes. If, if there's a way where everybody can be happy and the stadium stays in downtown Cleveland, that's probably the best of all worlds. But if the city is not going to play ball, and, you know, whether wherever you land on that side of the spectrum, um, you know, the city shouldn't pay for uh, professional sports facilities. Uh, uh, no, it's actually imperative that the city has the facilities in the city because of the uh, uh, revenue generator that it is. You know, whatever you come out on that, 
I think ideally it would be it would be best if it's not if it stays downtown. I want it off the lake because it's just there's nowhere close to park down there. Like we talked about getting out, getting in, getting out, walking from that stadium is a pain. There has to be accessibility. So the two sites that I talked about are where I think that it's it's going to be one of those two. It's going to be just south of Progressive Field on the other side of I-90, or it's going to be next to the airport. And Dome Stadium, ideally, I agree with you. If we can figure out a way how to build a retractable roof, that would be fantastic. If that's the case and we do a retractable roof, Lucas Oil Stadium is your blueprint. If you build Agreed. something like that, I don't think there's going to be and, – and, and Lucas Oil is, is not a – retractable roof in the sense where it just completely opens up like you still have like the uh the cross beams and then what i think is really cool about lucas oil is how they open the windows on the ends oh right it's not something where like the like like you see in baseball with like safeco field or minute Maid park or in toronto where literally the entire top comes off it's like like the top is the uh, basically the um, the outline of what the field is on the top? They open that. You still have the cross beams there, and then the windows on either side open up. And like you said, I agree on on the obviously probably the design will be different, but the it's it is really cool how that facility is basically all brick. I think that's pretty cool. It's got such character. I mean, and yeah. if you look at the the history and the the architecture of the main neighborhoods of the city. If you did something like Lucas Oil Stadium that had that sort of warehouse style look, you know, think about you know Camden Yards in Baltimore, or sure. you know, as another counterexample, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what the look that I would go for. Yeah, I can I can totally get on board with that. Something that looked like either but, a warehouse or a factory, even. From but the hey, outside. listen, you know, if if they're just looking at something where we get because the the, the biggest the biggest purpose of the Browns wanting to get a dome is. The Browns want to host more. The Browns, and ultimately, if, if it stays in downtown, the city wants to hold more big events. That stadium is used 10 times a year for the Browns and for like two concerts throughout the year. That stadium is is used 12 times throughout the year. Look at uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. That thing is used almost 300 times a year. They have it's, something it's going all They the have time. something going on at that arena almost every night. And yeah, you're not going to do that with a seventy thousand foot stadium, but you're they are gunning. For, I guarantee you, the Browns are in negotiations with the NFL. Hey, if we build this new facility within five years of it being built, you're bringing a Super Bowl to Cleveland. You absolutely will, because um, all of the other and don't poo-poo this anyone because all of the new stadium, new dome stadiums that went up in the Midwest, yeah. Ford Field in Detroit, yep. Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Yep. U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, yep. all hosted Super Bowls. Yes, hundred percent. It will happen here too. Absolutely, absolutely. That that's almost like a prerequisite that that the NFL gives uh, gives teams that uh, commit to building new facilities. Is hey, we'll bring. I mean, obviously, uh, the Buffalo Stadium's never getting a Super Bowl. No, um, <laughs> because they built it. But but well, listen, I, I think they built that new knowing because that's how how far is Orchard Park from Buffalo? It's like 15 miles. 
Okay. 20 so minutes. Ki- so kind of similar to Brook Park to Cleveland? Uh, more like Strongsville. Okay, Strongsville to Cle- Okay. Yeah. So, but like, but like the city, do you, do you think, do you think that Buffalo is a comparable city to Cleveland, no? Yeah. I mean, it, population-wise, it's a little bit smaller. Metro area is not quite as large, but it's comparable. But, like, have they seen, like, with Cleveland, uh, we have seen several new, like, hotels being built and over the last, like, decade. Has Buffalo seen that as well? You know, it's been a while since I've, I mean, I briefly did live in Buffalo, but that was, like, yeah. way back in, like, 2009, 10. I See my not thing, exactly up to date on that. Yeah. See, my thinking is uh, Buffalo just doesn't have the infrastructure to hold a Super Bowl with like hotels and entertainment, and especially because a stadium is being built in Orchard Park, um, they kind of probably knew that hey, if we if we spend the extra money and build a dome, we're probably still not going to get those type of events. Because what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, I'm just not talking about Super Bowl. Listen. WWE is going to announce at some point soon that SummerSlam is going to be in Cleveland this year. That is that is the city of Cleveland approved the 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 tax uh thing for WWE for 1.6 million dollars. Like that's happening. They just haven't announced it yet. I don't know whether it's going to be a progressive field or I would assume it's not going to be a progressive field because progressive well, baseball unless it, it well, it would have to be on a it would have to be on a weekend where the Guardians are away. But progressive fields in the middle of that giant renovation project where half of the seats are going to be blue this year and the other half are going to be green and you know but whatever that that's a different topic for another podcast we're going on an hour and 10 minutes here um but we still got to get to in other news that's right so let me finish this up real quick so the browns are going to browns in the city of cleveland are going to be going for a super bowl a wrestlemania uh ncaa men's final four uh you know countless concerts um, you know, concert, like not just two concerts in the summer, because that's the only time you can hold them out here. outdoors here. Yeah. Um, you're talking about year round concerts, you know, ta- I think Taylor Swift was here like five years ago and she was 2017 I and she was enormous then. But I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, her star has never been brighter now and you know. We have a new stadium. She's dating somebody from Cleveland. Maybe she does a whole week of concerts here if Never we have know. a new stadium. Um, so just stuff like that, you know, and just bigger bigger conventions. They use the stadium and bigger events. And that's why, that's why we need a dome. And also the people who keep saying, oh, well, Cleveland is – you got you to play in the elements, and it's a – it's an advantage. We lost to the New Orleans Saints two years ago. When it was six. Two days before Christmas when it was negative 25-degree wind chill. The Saints. I was being nice when I only said the temperature. You're going full blast with the wind chill, too. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't want to hear, I don't want to hear the home field advantage nonsense. You know what home field advantage would be? Is having a dome on that stadium and already and having Cleveland fans inside of a dome and see how loud that place would get. 115, you heard, 120 decibels. You heard how loud Ford Field got in the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. and God bless them. That was that was awesome. But a home playoff, and, and again, how much of a home field advantage is playing outdoors where we haven't had a home playoff game in this city in literally 30 years? 1994 against the New England Patriots. It's been 30 years. 
You and I were seven and six, respectively. Yep. So we need a dome. I don't care where it is. I think we're getting a dome. All this talk of renovation is nonsense. And we're not building a new structure and having it be open air. So get ready because it's coming. In other news. In other news. Yes, it's a new segment, ladies and gentlemen. In this particular segment, I talk about some random news or sports story, often with a Cleveland Lake, sometimes not. But in this this first outing of In Other News, this is kind of, I, I couldn't get past this. This is actually kind of personal. Um, so, Aren and I, okay. we actually, so Aren bought a new car, a Nissan Rogue, back at around Black Friday-ish time frame. Mm-hmm. So, now we have three cars. So, it's like, okay, what, what are we going to do about this? Are we going to sell the, the 2014 Mazda, the red one, or what are we going to So... She has this plan to where we were actually going to rent this car out on one of the two sites with basically car rental sites. One is Turo and the other is Hire Car. And the, that car didn't qualify for Turo, so we put it on Hire Car. For like the first month, we didn't get any hits on there. But uh, in, sometime in mid-January, this one lady decided that she wanted to rent that car from us. So she did. And it's been like five weeks now, and you know every you know we see the money coming in every day, and it's great and all that. You know, it's not like life changing or anything, but you know it helps the bottom line. Just two days ago, oh boy, I get a letter from the city of East Cleveland. <coughs> oh God! And I'm like, oh, I know exactly what this is, and I'm like. I just drove Lyft last week. Did I get popped by a speed camera on the East Cleveland? No, it couldn't be. I'm like I'm like a hawk. Whenever I'm driving, Roger, like I go into a place like East Cleveland or Newburgh Heights or Parma Heights, city that has traffic cameras. You, I'm like you don't drive fast anyway, though. Not not generally, no. But like the last time I got popped by a speed camera was in Newburgh Heights. It was I 36 and a 25. Oof. I was like. You got it. So one of those me. ones where you're cruising along in a 35, and then it it, it, it suddenly becomes changes 25, 25, and there's a and camera there's a camera like, right there. Yeah, F it was that. it was on Harvard, right by I 71, or I 77. Excuse me, ridiculous. Yeah. It, okay. But anyway, we get this letter, and it's for the it's for the speed camera that's on Noble Road, just down the hill from the General Electric campus at Nila, which I actually used to work at in 2016. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where that camera is every day, and my coworkers at the time would get popped by that thing. So we, I'm like, which license plate is it? It's not the one for the black car, the one I'm driving, the black Mazda 6. It was for the red Mazda 6. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it was the person we rented it to. Mm. Okay, let's look this up because we shouldn't be liable for this, and we're not. And so now we're you know, working with them to you know, get that sorted out. Two days later, today, literally today, I get another notice in the mail. Oh, no. This one is from the city of Cleveland. Oh, no. Unpaid parking tickets from the 1700 and 1800 block of East 12th Street. Oh, jeez. I go on ClevelandParkingTickets.com. Shout out, city of Cleveland Police. They... (laughs) And there is a run of not one, not two, oh not my three, God. not four, not five, not six, not seven, 
eight, eight, eight unpaid parking tickets. Probably one per day. $232. Two of them, hold on a second, it gets better. Two of them were actually from the same day. Oh my God. February 21st. Two, meter expired, same day. Now, how in the world do you do that? All you literally have to do is if you get the first ticket, you just have to leave the car there. (laughs) The person who was doing the tickets that day for for Cleveland police had to have been like in a stupor doing a double take being like, didn't I just ticket this car like two hours ago? Oh my God. (laughs) So So I hope, I hope you're not liable for those either. No, uh, there's going to be like problems. If, if this person thinks that they're going to skate out on this, this person has (laughs) rang up $337 worth of charges and this is just what we know of so far. Jeez. I'm hoping there's not yet another shoe that's going to drop here. <laughs> I wonder that this lady must be like either she's completely naive or she's thinking, oh, well, it's not my car, so I'm not going to get the ticket. I, I wonder, like, this is – I because, like, I'm new to this. Like, I didn't even know. know that this service existed where you could just rent your car out. Oh, my brother has been running his, one of his cars out in California for the better part of – Three, four years now. Really? Because he bought he bought Tesla, obviously, yeah. and now he's he's got the um, oh gosh, which is it the Pilot? Yeah, the Honda Pilot. That, oh, your that my, your parents' old Pilot used to have the one that we drove yeah. across the country in 2016. Yeah, it's like 17 years old now. I yeah. don't know how well it's running these days, but you know, apparently he rents that thing out. So, these, but there you go. So, ladies and gentlemen, wow. make sure in areas where there are speed cameras that you are going the speed limit and pay the parking meters. Have you contacted please? this lady, by the way? You're like, hey, what the hell's going on? I leave that to the wife. She is the there you account. go. There so you go. I'm, I'm, not I can ima- I can imagine, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah, I can imagine a Wren is probably a, uh, she's probably a uh, no-nonsense type of person when it comes to this stuff. She comes from a place where people just routinely just scam and rip off people. Yeah. So, like, she's seen every trick in the book. She, she knows how to deal with this. Yeah. Shout out to Ren. Yeah. So. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> so <laughs> there's your big grand kickoff to our new segment in other news. Oh, man. <laughs> Jeez. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Well, anyway. On that note. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Everybody. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that is uh, LOTL for this week, episode 273. Welcome back, everybody. Appreciate you guys listening if you're still out there. Uh, We will be back next week with another episode, uh, 274, coming your way with a bunch of the same segments. And, uh, yeah, we're going to keep uh, talking about the Cavs. Guardians are right around the corner, and uh, it's not the season opener, but their home opener, there's going to be a – crazy event taking place that day which caused them to delay the normal first pitch time Mm -hmm. we are going to have a total was it lunar eclipse a total solar solar eclipse eclipse. yeah yeah so essentially the moon in between the earth and the sun actually blocking out the sun 
So I, th- so I think essentially around 4 p.m., uh, everything's going to go black. Yeah, it's like sometime between 3.30 and 4 o'clock, I think, yeah. is when that's going to happen. So um, we'll talk about that more as we get closer, and then uh, we're obviously going to uh, ramp up our Guardians talk. They have open spring training, and uh, we will um, talk about them more as we get closer to the season. But um, come on, Cavs. Come on, Cavs. Is the mood right now. Big, big win tonight. Come on, Cavs. So, anyway, uh, 60 foot shot for the win. Come on. (laughs) With your fast break action. Um, That's going to do it for us on this episode. Uh, You can follow us on social media at Stiffs McGee, where I actually just made a post. Go figure. Hey, now. At Daniel J. Ford for me and at the LOTL podcast for the show. And uh, hope everybody has a great week, great weekend, and we will talk to you guys next week. So for Steve, for Champ, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Let Me Off the Land. We'll see you next week.